Chapter Two of My Chinese Marriage by May Fran King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In Shanghai. My first impressions of Shanghai are a blur. My husband and I drove rapidly along the Bund, along Garden Bridge, which might have been any bridge in America past astor house which was very like any american hotel and then along the su chow creek which could be only in china on north sichuan road we stopped at a lee or terrace of newly built houses in the style called semi-foreign this lee which was in the international settlement was very bright and clean it opened upon the main thoroughfare the heavy walls of bright red brick were interrupted at intervals by black doors bearing brass nameplates. At one of these my husband stopped and touched a very American-looking push-button. A bell trilled within, and the door was opened by a smiling boy in a long blue cotton gown. We crossed a small courtyard bright with flowers and vines, and coming to the main entrance, stepped directly into a large square room. It was cool, immaculate, and restful. The matting covered floors, the skillfully arranged tables, chairs, and sofa, the straight hangings of green and white threaded with gold, were exactly what I should have wished to choose for myself i was pleasantly surprised by the gas chandelier with its shades of green and golden white a dark green gas radiator along one wall suggested that shanghai was not always so warm as then it was a very modest little home befitting a man with his own way to make chan king explained as he led me through the rooms for a hasty survey when wilfred was surrendered to his amma a fresh-cheeked young woman in stiffly starched blue coat white trousers and apron while we made ready for a tiffin engagement with chinese friends of chan king's after a short rickshaw ride novel and delightful to me we turned from the main road into another series of terraces and entered a real chinese household the host and hostess who had both been in america and spoke excellent english were very cordial in their welcome i felt more at home than i had believed could be possible tiffin was served in the chinese fashion the guests seated at a great round table with the dishes of meat fish and vegetables placed in the centre so that each one could help himself as he chose individual bowls of rice small plates chopsticks and spoons were at each plate set at intervals were small shallow dishes containing soy mustard or ketchup and also roasted melon seeds and almonds when my hostess who had thoughtfully rounded out her delicious chinese menu with bread and butter and velvety ice-cream as thoughtfully produced a silver knife and fork for me my husband explained that I was rather deft in the use of chopsticks. Though he had taught me, during the early days of our marriage, to use a slender ivory pair that he possessed, I was now very nervous. But I felt obliged to prove his delighted assertion. So my social conformity as a Chinese wife began there, before a friendly and amused audience, who assured me that I did very well on the way home chan king said will this be difficult for you margaret chopsticks i asked gaily well enough knowing that he did not mean chopsticks no i like them i mean everything he said very gravely china customs people homesickness everything you will see whether you haven't married a true oriental i answered him as for homesickness why chang king i am at home the most important thing at first materially speaking was that chan king must make his own way without help of any sort and for the upper-class chinese this is very difficult he was teaching advanced english in one of the largest colleges in shanghai 
maintaining a legal practice and giving lectures on international law he was glad to be at home again filled with enthusiasm for his work hopeful as the young returned students always are at first and through sheer inability to limit his endeavours working beyond his strength our happiness at being together again made all things seem possible from its fragmentary beginnings in america we gathered again into our hands the life we expected to make so full and rich my part i recognized was to be a genuinely old-fashioned wife the role i was best fitted for and the one most helpful to chen king and i began by running my chinese household with minute attention to providing for his comfort in small ways that he liked and never failed to appreciate our two-story house consisted of two big rooms downstairs and sleeping apartments and a tiny roof garden upstairs in this roof garden i spent most of my time and there wilfred and his amma passed many afternoons it was a pleasant sunny place furnished with painted steamer chairs rugs and blooming plants in pottery jars at the back rather removed from the main part of the house were the kitchen servants quarters and an open-air laundry we were really very practical and modern and comfortable our kitchen provided for an admirable compromise between old and new methods it had an english gas range and a chinese one but the proper chinese atmosphere was preserved by three well-trained servants who called themselves a ching a ling and a po most shanghai servants are simply called boy or ama or coolie but ours chose those names as distinctive for servants there as james and bridget are with us a ching did most of the housework and the running of errands a ling did the marketing and cooking giving us a pleasantly varied succession of chinese and foreign dishes apo the ama looked after wilfred and attended to my personal wants from the first i was fond of apo with her finely formed intelligent features her soft voice and gentle unhurried manner she had served an american mistress before coming to me but showed a surprising willingness to adopt my particular way of doing things whether in making beds in keeping my clothes in order or in entertaining wilfred on the other hand ah ching elderly grave and full of responsibility was very partial to his accustomed way of arranging furniture and of washing windows and floors if left to himself he would dust odd nooks and corners faithfully but if i made any formal inspection of his labours he would invariably slight them to intimate that i should not be suspicious as a friend explained a form of logic that i found highly amusing a ling aside from his culinary ability was chiefly interesting because his eyes were really oblique as chinese eyes are supposed to be and usually are not and because his hair really curled as chinese hair is never supposed to do and does occasionally for a young pair bent on thrift we may have seemed very extravagant indeed in similar circumstances in america i should probably have thought it extravagant to have even one servant but this household was a very small one for china and on our modest income we maintained it with a satisfactory margin chan king was helpful and showed great tact and understanding in getting our establishment under way i would not confess to my utter bewilderment in trying to manage servants who did not understand half of what i said to them i think he became aware that i was holding on rather hard at times during those first months and he never failed me in turn i helped him revise his papers in the evenings and assisted him with his letters and he used to call me his secretary 
we discovered during that first year in china that we had formed a true partnership our social life was very pleasant we entertained a great deal in a simple way we belonged to a club or two and kept in close touch with the work of the returned students who have become an important factor in the national life though wishing to conserve what is best in the civilization of china they are bringing western ideas to bear upon the solution of political sociological and economic problems many of these students as well as other interesting people both chinese and foreign gathered at our house for dinners and teas there was a veteran of the customs service a portly gentleman with bristling white moustache who had been one of the first group of government students sent to america fifty years before he told interesting stories of the trials and joys of those early days and humorously lamented the fact that real apple pie was not to be obtained in china there was a distinguished editor of english publications a tall spare figure whose very quietness suggested reserves of mental power with him often was a short energetic man in early maturity a far-sighted educator and convincing orator i remember a lively discussion opened up by these two concerning the need for a chinese magazine devoted to the interests of the modern woman of china an early dream which is now being fulfilled there was a retired member of parliament with an unfailing zeal for political discussion who has since returned to the service of his government also a smiling young man who went about persuading old china of her need for progress but who could on occasion put aside his dignity to indulge a talent for diverting bits of comedy there was the chinese-american son of a former diplomat who born in america and coming to china as a grown man seemed definitely to recognize his kinship with the land of his fathers a fact that chan king and i found interesting for its possible bearing on the future of our own sons naturally most of our friends were the younger modern folk who were loosening the ancient bonds of formality in their daily lives but many of the older and more conservative people also used to come to our evening gatherings where my husband and i received side by side as i came to know the chinese i was delighted with their social deafness they stress grace of manner and courtesy as the foundations of all social life i was pleasantly impressed by the measure of deference that they showed to wives daughters sisters and friends so different from the contempt that western imagination supposes to be their invariable share occasionally i noticed a husband carefully translating that his wife might fully enjoy the conversation many of the women however spoke english excellently all our receptions and dinners were delightfully free and full of good talk the chinese have so beautifully the gift of saying profound things lightly they can think deeply without being heavy and pedantic i remember the first dinner party i attended in shanghai it was rather a grand affair with many guests all chinese save me and i'm almost chinese i said to my husband the men and women all sat together around one great table in excellent humor with each other and the talk was very gay a little chinese woman whom i knew rather well said to me later and think of it only last year in this house we should have been at separate tables when i asked her to explain she said that once men did not bring their guests to their homes at all then they brought them but entertained them in the men's side of the house later they admitted women to dine in the same room but at separate tables and now here we are chatting and dining together quite in western fashion i like this much better the little lady decided
i was glad to see that all of them wore chinese dress for it is most impressively beautiful i wore my first jacket and plaited skirt that night a combination of pale green and black satin and now and then i would see chan king's eyes turned upon me with the look i best loved to see there a clear warm affection shining in them a certain steady glow of expression that had love and friendship and understanding in it i think the sight of me in the dress of his country confirmed in his mind my declaration that i loved china that i wanted to be a real chinese wife after this though for certain occasions the american fashion seemed more appropriate i wore chinese dress a great deal i remember a day when dr wu ting fang came to dinner and as he bowed to me obviously took note of my garb he looked at me very keenly for a moment as if he meant to ask a serious question then he said in his abrupt manner you are happy in that dress indeed i am i answered you like it better than you like american clothes he persisted i nodded firmly smiling and catching my husband's eye then wear it always said the doctor with a pontifical lifting of his fingers oddly enough my husband did not care for the native feminine fashion of trousers and never permitted me to wear them i considered them very graceful and comfortable but gladly adopted the severely plain skirts with the plates at the sides i had put on china to wear it always in my heart and mind and thought only of my husband his work and his people in the beginning i should have been perfectly content to remain cloistered to meet no one save a few woman friends to go nowhere life flowed by me so evenly that i was happy to drift with it filled with dreams the noises of hurrying half-modernized shanghai reached me but vaguely where the floors were spread with white matting and the walls were hung with symbolic panels the click of the pony's feet on the pavement the thud of the rickshaw coolies heels as they drew their noiseless rubber-tired vehicles the strident scream of the automobile horns the strange long cries of the street vendors all came to me muffled as though through many curtains that sheltered me from the world but my husband insisted that i go about with him everywhere that he felt we should go that i help him entertain that i meet and mingle with many people both foreign and chinese he was always ready to advise me on social matters a more difficult undertaking than might be supposed i have already spoken of the many gradations in the meeting of east and west these alone are confusing enough and there are further complexities due to the fact that in the two civilizations the fine points of etiquette are often entirely at variance a single example will suffice the custom of serving a guest as soon as seated with some form of refreshment in the very conservative chinese household if the visitor even touches the cup of tea placed beside him on a small table he is guilty of a gross breach of good manners in the ultra-modern household he must drink the iced tea summer beverage or the piping hot winter drink to avoid giving offence then there are the variously modified establishments where he attempts an exact degree of compromise whether acknowledging the offering merely by a gracious bow or going further by raising it to the lips for a dainty sip or being still more liberal and consuming one-half the proffered amount that such situations are often baffling even to young china i have heard it laughingly confessed in many lively discussions but though occasional errors are inevitable sincere goodwill is truly valued and seldom misunderstood chan king's ability to consider all points of view at once was very helpful to me but 
he forgot to warn me that in shanghai social calling is proper at any hour of the day from nine o'clock in the morning until ten o'clock at night i was therefore three days in learning during a short absence of his that early morning and late evening calling was an institution and not an accidental occurrence as i at first supposed finally ah ching gave me a hint i was in a negligee preparing for a morning of lazy play with wilfred and hoping there would be no interruptions when ah ching appeared and announced callers my face must have expressed surprise and a shade of annoyance as it had for three days previously at these summonses for ah ching hesitated a moment and then vouchsafed what he plainly considered a valuable piece of information in shanghai said ah ching he all time go to see all time come to see he paused all time he added firmly and departed i found this to be literally true and i therefore formed my habits of dress on the assumption that callers demanding the utmost formality of behaviour and appearance might be announced at any moment needless to say ah ching's he was pigeon english for she for my personal visitors were all women they were of many nationalities chinese of course and also american canadian english scotch and french with the chinese women especially i found myself in perfect harmony nowhere i believe does sincerity and goodwill meet with a warmer response they accepted me with a cordiality that was very real and rendered invaluable assistance in my initiation into the new life they took me calling shopping and marketing until shanghai ceased to be a bewildering maze of crowded thoroughfares they helped me to understand the complexities of chinese currency they explained the intricate points of fashion in dress and recommended skilful tailors from the first we were deeply interested in the meeting and blending of east and west that went on about us everywhere in every field of endeavour we found unique opportunity for fresh impressions in the second far eastern olympics held at shanghai that spring in the presence of many thousand spectators china the philippines and japan strove for supremacy in athletic prowess the affair was managed entirely by chinese and during most of the contests my husband was busy on the grounds in official capacity i sat in the grandstand with chinese woman friends some of whom were returned students and the rousing cheers the whole-hearted enthusiasm brought to us vivid memories of college days in america the evenings were filled with receptions and garden parties in honor of the visitors of course our pleasure in the whole affair was immeasurably heightened by china's well-earned triumph as the months passed chan king's high-hearted enthusiasm his dauntless will to carry through great work in the education of young china flagged to some degree from terrible disillusionment this is the problem all returned students have sooner or later to face and conquer they come home brimming with hope and filled with aspirations towards their country's betterment and gradually they are forced to acknowledge one enormous fact that china has been her glorious grim old self for too many centuries her feet are sunk too deeply in the earth of her ancient traditions to be uprooted by one generation of youth or two or three or a hundred chan king chafed and worried and worked too hard strangely enough he grew homesick for america though i did not america strides like a young boy and china creeps like an old woman he said bitterly one day after attending a meeting of the college board where his modern ideas of education had suffered a defeat at the hands of the reactionary body but china is a wise wise old woman 
i replied gently and very often during this time i would uphold the traditions of the east the ways of the western world my husband underwent disappointments irritations and trials that would have been unendurable in a less securely poised nature as it was he suffered so in the great things that he had little patience for the small ones and i often found him sudden of a temper with a quick asperity of tone and finality of judgment that showed me clearly how great a strain he was under but with us there was always love and chen king was very careful to make me understand even in the midst of small disappointments and vexations that these things were the universal human annoyances that had nothing to do with regrets or a sense of alienation i broke into tears one day when a sharp little scene occurred over nothing at all oh margaret my dearest he said taking me in his arms these moods mean nothing between us when we love each other so don't take them seriously what could destroy our happiness now in spite of the world-wide difference in our race and upbringing whatever difficulties of temperamental adaptation we had to meet were merely such as must be faced by any husband and wife in any land yet chang king's personal fascination for me his never-failing appeal to my imagination was definitely founded on the oriental quality in him i found throughout the years in every phase of our relation a constant irresistible always recurring thrill in the idea that we were not of the same race or civilization once when i confessed this fact to him he said do you love me only because i am chinese no i think i should have loved you no matter what race you came of but how can i know i like to feel that you love the essential me yes but the essential you is chinese he thought a moment chinese yes but a most respectable member of the dutch reformed church of america i won't let that injure you in my eyes i assured him laughing i was of the anglican faith and we often referred to the strange mixture of nationalities in our creeds my husband in spite of his firm faith was not of a deeply religious mind and of the two i was much more mystical in my beliefs love divine and human had come to mean everything to me in a literal and spiritual sense i believed obscurely at first but with increasing surety and faith as time went on that human love also was not of time only but of eternity as well and when i found that chan king did not share this belief i felt for the only time in all my marriage alien to him shut out by an impalpable veil from his profoundest inner life which i wished passionately to share in everything the discovery came hand in hand with our first shadow only the shadow of a shadow i might call it so vague at the beginning that we could not feel more than an uneasiness chan king fell ill though not seriously and he recovered quickly but on the upcurve of returning health he never quite regained the old plane of physical well-being signs oh the very smallest of signs warned us of a grave slow breaking down of his system under thisis we could not quite believe it his physician advised him to ease the strain of work as much as he could we talked together in the early hours of many nights chang king always insisting that his depression was the result of temporary fatigue sure to pass away within a few weeks repose in the open air of the hills it was during this time that i spoke to him of the everlastingness of love and my faith in a life farther on where could death take one of us that the other could not follow i asked him in strange triumph 
his eyes held mine a long minute his face was very sad i am not sure of that i have no idea of what we shall be to one another in another life i am only sure that we are all things to each other now an inexpressible sense of fear took hold of me chan king seemed at once terribly alien and removed i could not speak for i had the feeling of calling in a strange language across a great chasm i said nothing for fear of distressing him but he must have sensed my disquietude for he took my hands and held them to his face and let his eyes shine upon me don't look like that he said we have much time yet to think of eternity but from the day of this illness the shadow was never once removed from me now we were lured by the residential charms of the french concession with its broad tree-lined avenues and fresh wide-swept spaces so we took a new house in a terrace fronting on avenue joffrey we liked our large rooms each with its tiled fireplace its polished floors laid with chensing rugs its electric lights there was a grassy lawn with chinese orchids and a border of palms and magnolias and just around the corner from us was a public garden where to wilfred's delight dozens of children played each day under the care of their respective amas our staff of servants was now increased to five by the addition of a rickshaw coolie and a second amma chen king received shortly after this a letter from his father the first communication he had had from his family since our marriage it contained an invitation to return home for a visit since his mother wished very deeply to see him again i can interpret this in only one way margaret he said in a puzzled tone it is an offer of reconciliation that means that they do not know you are with me go and see for yourself what it is i told him for i would have consented for his sake to a reconciliation on almost any terms i had seen enough of chinese family life to understand the powerful bonds of affection and interest that bind the clan together and i felt in my own heart the cruelty of breaking those between mother and son and brother and brother i want to tell them about you chan king answered this is my opportunity before accepting their invitation chan king wrote and told them that his wife was with him and their replies to this proved him right in his first surmise his family knew he had returned to china and having heard nothing further of his marriage had supposed that it was all over this was not exactly a surprising conclusion for them to reach more than one foreign woman has refused to accompany her chinese husband home i myself came in contact with an occasional half-household in which a chinese was held in china by his business affairs while his wife waited for him on the other side of the world sometimes too she did not wait and the marriage ended in the conventional way that is in the divorce court chan king's people imagined that something of the sort had occurred to him and were quite ready to wipe out old scores and resume the ties of relationship after having written the initial letter of reconciliation they held to their attitude in a thoroughbred way only amending their welcome a trifle by requesting him to visit them alone very tactfully and gently they put it like this his father was growing old and any sudden change disturbed him the household had lately been added to by marriage and births and he would find everything very much more comfortable if he should come alone he went firmly resolved to change the mind of his family toward me and i too was anxious for them to know that a foreign marriage had not harmed chang king 
during the six weeks of his absence his letters were cheerfully non-committal though he spoke of his happiness in being in his mother's house again i thought a great deal about that house the intricate lives of the people in it and their many degrees of kinship and authority chan king had told me enough to give me a fairly clear picture of them i had always admired their ability to sustain difficult relations under the same roof with the utmost good temper and mutual courtesy yet i was western enough to feel that chan king and i knew each other better and had been more free to learn each other thoroughly alone in our own household which was growing in quite a chinese fashion i expected my second child and looked forward with much hope to the new life for i had always been deeply maternal and wanted several children but to chen king and me our love for each other was the greatly important thing in life the reason for all the rest of our existence we accepted the fact of birth as naturally as we did the change of seasons children were essential to our happiness but not the dominant essential we ordered our home for ourselves as two lovers who had elected to pass their life together chan king expressed our views thus the chinese ideal is that the family is the end the children the means of keeping it up in the west the children are the end and the home merely the means of keeping them up you and i have it perfectly adjusted i think the home is for all of us and all of us have proper places in it chan king returned early one morning and i knew from my first glimpse of his face that his visit had been a fruitful one i flew to his arms and as he kissed me i saw that his eyes were serene and contented how is your august mother my lord i asked him with a bow my mother is in good health and wishes to meet her daughter-in-law he answered and in spite of the bantering tone i knew he was in earnest i wanted to know how this change of feeling had come about when i told them of you said chang king my mother was visibly amazed i did not understand she kept repeating i did not understand and before i left she said to me if she is all you tell me she is why do you not bring her here i didn't mention the fact that this was our first invitation margaret should you like to go my dearest i hesitated a moment yes but not yet i answered we will not go for a while chan king assured me we talked a great deal about my husband's visit and i gained new light on the actual facts of his estrangement from his family and the enormous significance that his marriage assumed in the minds of his chinese relatives i can hardly exaggerate the importance of the position held by the eldest son in the higher class chinese household after his father he is the male head of the family his wife is the attendant shadow the never-failing companion of his mother our phrase a man marries is expressed in chinese as he leads in a new woman under the old regime he literally did so for he invariably brought his bride to his ancestral home the phrase for the marriage of a girl is she goes forth from the family a new woman is the term for a bride the western education of many young men of the chinese upper class has resulted in some acute readjustment in the ancestral households often these elder sons return marry according to the old custom and live in their parental homes but often too they marry advanced chinese women set up establishments and professions of their own far from their native cities and live after semi-foreign ways in this respect our case was somewhat typical as i have already related chang king's mother had been looking forward for years to the marriage of her eldest son with the little miss li ying 
she had expected in her middle age the usual release of the chinese woman from the bonds of youth having been a faithful and obedient wife and daughter-in-law she rightfully expected to assume authority over her family leaning on the arm of her son's wife this younger woman would take her place in the long chain of dutiful daughters she would help to welcome guests she would keep up the family shrines she would perform all manner of household duties under the supervision of her mother-in-law on the death of her husband's mother she would become the woman head of the family responsible for everything her privileges and authority growing with her years especially if she were the mother of sons her great mission would be to furnish children to the clan in order that the ancestral shrines might never be without worshippers i explain these matters at this point in order that i may not be mistaken for a moment when i tell the incident that follows by this time i had lived long enough in china to be almost thoroughly orientalized in so far as my sympathies were concerned at least and yet when chang king after talking for a while about the events of his visit home came to a full pause and said uncertainly there is one thing i wish to tell you but i am not sure you will understand i was a trifle apprehensive but i answered at once of course i shall understand china has been kind to me what have i to fear chan king then went on deliberately not until i saw my mother again did i understand that i had done a really cruel thing to her in depriving her of a daughter-in-law on whom she could lean on in her old age oh margaret woman's lot is not easy with all the complexities of parents and brothers and children and i would have atoned for my share in all this if i could but of course there was nothing i could do nothing at all and very calmly he told me that shortly after his arrival at home his mother had conferred with him seriously on her need of a daughter-in-law in accordance with ancient customs she wished him to take a chinese secondary wife who would live in the family home who would be in a fashion proxy for me in the role of daughter-in-law chan king's mother offered to arrange this marriage for him and assured him that the secondary wife and her children would be well cared for and treated kindly during his long absences i listened incredulously and the question i could not ask was in my eyes i knew of course that the custom of taking secondary wives was not unusual among wealthy families in china even where both wives lived under the same roof but i had given it only the most casual thought and not once had it occurred to me that the problem would touch my life brought suddenly level with it i suffered a shock at the very foundation of my nature i could not think of course in the moment that followed my husband's recital i only felt a great roaring tide of pain rising about me a sense of complete helplessness such as i have never known before or since i wonder now at my instant subjective readiness to believe that my husband had conformed to this custom of his country that he had shaken off his western training at his first renewed contact with the traditional habits of his race Did you i asked finally and stopped he came to me instantly his arms about me when he saw the distress in my face he frowned with an odd remorseful twist of the brows i wonder that you ask he said how could i come back to you and to your loyalty and trust with the shadow of that deception between us i made it very clear to my mother that i would never have any wife but you it's you and i together dear one and no one else so long as we both shall live and his words had the solemn sound of a vow renewed this high honesty of chang king's 
with me was a rock on which i founded my faith and his final repudiation of an accepted form among his people represented a genuine sacrifice on his part so far as his material welfare was concerned as generously and unhesitatingly as he had made the first one at our marriage he laid the second votive offering on the altar of our love he had you see according to the view of his father and mother hopelessly injured them in his marriage above all he had denied in himself the great racial instinct of the chinese to obey his parents if he wished to please them here was his last opportunity the taking of a chinese secondary wife would have been a complete atonement in their eyes at the same time it would have meant his instant restoration to his rightful place among them first in their affections and inheritance the family assistance would have placed him at once in the position toward which without it he would probably have to struggle for years and later i understood how very easily he might have complied without my needing ever to know of the fact indeed i could have lived in his mother's house with a second wife and never have suspected that she was there in that position so securely welded and impassive is the clan's sense the reserve and remoteness of the personal relation when the family peace and dignity are to be considered some of these matters i had been aware of since my life in china began some of them i learned that day in talking with chan king and others as i have said i discovered gradually afterward but from that day certainly our relations subtly shifted and settled and crystallized we both became forever certain that we could not fail each other in any smallest thing into my heart came a warmth of repose like a steadily burning lamp we were assured of our love beyond any possibility of doubt ever again and for a time we experienced a renaissance of youthful happiness a fine fervor of renewed hopes and ambitions as though spring had come again miraculously when we had expected october the family letters came now regularly to chen king with always a kindly message for me evidently relations were to be resumed on the plane of a good friendship nothing more but that was so much more than we had dared to hope for that we were perfectly happy to have it so chen king must have mentioned his slowly failing health for his mother sent a worried letter to him and asked him to come home for a while once more chen king decided that his affairs would not warrant his absence and wrote her to that effect one morning as i sat on the sun porch sewing ah ching appeared suddenly before me master's mother he downstairs he announced calmly i gazed at him without understanding what do you say ah ching came nearer he held up one hand and counted his words off on his fingers slowly miss c sabi master have got one mother he inquired patiently yes yes well he just now have come he downstairs i got to my feet i was more frightened and nervous than i had ever been i remembered to be grateful i was wearing complete chinese dress a black skirt and blue velvet jacket this fact assumed an amusing importance in my mind as i stood there struggling to get myself in hand i had planned this meeting a thousand times and now that it was fairly upon me i was totally without resource i progressed downstairs confusedly running a few swift steps and then stopping short and beginning again slowly if chen king had been there i should have fled to him and left the entire situation in his hands but i was alone and certain of one thing only i meant to win the love of my chinese mother if i could 
subjectively all the tales i have heard of chinese mothers-in-law must have impressed me more than i had admitted for i remembered something chan king had told me long before i cannot describe to you the importance of the mother in the chinese household she is the complete autocrat with almost final authority over her sons daughters-in-law servants relatives everybody except her husband who is usually absent on his business her old age is a complete reversal of the restraint and discipline of her youth i stopped short at the door of the drawing-room i saw my husband's mother for the first time she had become to me a personality of almost legendary grandeur and i felt a little wave of surprise going over to me that she looked somehow so real and alive and genuine she sat in a big tall-backed chair her hands spread flat on her knees her face was the face of the young mother in the photograph chan king had shown me only grown older and a trifle more severe she was dressed in black brocade its stiff folds and precise creases accentuating her dignity under the edges of her skirt glimmered her tiny gray shoes embroidered in red and green at her side stood the male relative who had accompanied her a chinese gentleman of the old school in a long gown of dark silk behind her stood a maid and two men-servants i knew that she spoke no english and as yet i had no knowledge of her southern dialect there was a sharp pause in the dead silent room while we regarded each other end of chapter 2